Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good morning. I'll be reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Jesus returned from the Jordan River, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterward Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, it's written, People won't live only by bread. This, this is, you say. <laughs> you say. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us before I get in more trouble. Uh, Lord, as, as we open your word this morning, may you open our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may you illuminate our minds this morning to be able to receive every good gift and every good promise that you have before us. Spirit, you have been so kind. Would you be kind to us again? In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. NBC at church. Are you full or are you empty? That's the question I have for us this morning. This is the final week of our series that we have been calling Prayer and Fasting. We've been talking about for the past five weeks, how do you draw near to the God who is already drawn near to you in Jesus Christ? And if you have missed any of the weeks leading up, I just want to provide a reminder that this coming Wednesday, we have a workshop in which we will be covering each week of the series briefly, and then we will be taking time to actually practice and pray together. And there's a group that meets on Wednesdays that actually spends time praying. And this is kind of a launch pad. This is something that could get you in the rhythm of praying and fasting. Now, for the past four weeks, we have discussed different ways. On week one, we talked about how prayer is being still with God. And on week two, we talked about how prayer is talking to God. And on week three, we talked about how prayer is listening for God's voice. And then last week, we talked about fasting. We talked about the technical side of what is fasting? What is the practice of abstaining from eating? And we talked about how fasting is taking time for prayer and how prayer provides time for God. And this week, I want to finish the series by talking about fasting with the why behind it. I want to talk about what can be happening underneath the time that you spend fasting and praying. Fasting is a revealing process. And what I mean by that is that When we fast, it is an opportunity for God to reveal to us why our stomachs may be full, but our hearts 
still feel empty. Let me provide you some imagery maybe today to kind of describe this state of being. Every preacher usually receives comments at some point about what takes place during preaching. Okay, This may come to a shock to some of you, but there is not just listening that happens while preaching is happening. Usually there's a lot of other things that are happening during the sermon. I've experienced many of them. I've experienced people sleeping. I've experienced people texting. I've experienced people talking, people jumping, one time people excessively kissing, one time someone flossing. I guess that was a good sermon with the kissing. All of those had happened in a way that people came up afterwards and wanted to provide me an explanation. But I've had one thing that's happened during a sermon that I've never received an explanation for. And it kind of went like this. A couple years ago, we were uh, in a service, and we were getting ready. Uh, And when the service started, it was just one of those services where heaven and earth, the space in between them, was just super thin. And it was a really meaningful morning. But the weird thing about this morning was is that as soon as service started, there was just this noise, like this peculiar noise that just kept happening throughout the morning. So I get up to preach, and the noise is still happening. And it's happening like every five or six words, and it's it's this crunching noise over and over again. So I start scanning the room, trying to act like I'm still focused, but I'm just trying to find what... What is that noise? Where's that noise come from? And then I realized the noise is actually coming from the front row. I actually find out it is this woman who's sitting on the front row. And as service is going on, she is just pounding out some Cheetos. Okay. She is just chomping away at these Cheetos. And I'm not talking like this was a snack pack version. Like like the Lord's provision was good. We had multiple bags of Cheetos. We were well balanced, okay? We had flaming hot Cheetos, we had baked Cheetos, we had the regular Cheetos, and she is just munching away at this. And I'm so perplexed. I'm distracted for the rest of the morning. I'm not worshiping because I'm watching this woman to say, surely she's going to put the Cheetos down at some point in the service. And she never did, okay? Never once did she pour out her heart to God, but the snacks kept pouring. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just kept going. I wonder if that's an image for how many of us come to church this morning. That this is the state of our souls. Many of us have a feast before us. Many of us have a front row seat to a God who is working around us and in us. But we rather spend our day today munching on that that is less airy and less nutritious of substances. We stuff ourselves with shows. We stuff ourselves with network news stations. We stuff ourselves with sports stats. We stuff ourselves with overstuffed schedules. We stuff ourselves with stale conversations. We stuff ourselves with insignificant details that we convince ourselves are significant. What do you do when your stomach is full, but your spirit is empty? In Luke 4, the story that we just had read, Luke, the writer who writes about the life of Jesus, actually describes Jesus in the opposite way. 
In Luke 4, he tells us that Jesus does not come with a full stomach and an empty soul, but rather the opposite. That Jesus comes with an empty stomach, but a full soul. And Luke actually tells us what Jesus is full of. Full of. In Luke 4, verse 1, just as was read a second ago, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And he left the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing. He fasted during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. In the very beginning, when, when Luke wants to tell us about Jesus, one of the things he makes very clear is that Jesus was spirit-filled, and he was spirit-led. That he was spirit-filled and spirit-led. Jesus was open and receptive to the Spirit of God, the illuminating and empowering presence of God. And this may be an unexplored thought for some of us when it comes to Jesus and the Spirit. We're told in a different portion of the scriptures that Jesus, being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God, but he actually emptied himself in the form of a servant, in the form of a man. And because of this, Jesus was open to the Spirit of God in his ministry. That Jesus not only was receptive, but he relied upon the Spirit of God. I want you to think about just the timeline of moving up to this moment in Luke 4. When we are given a timeline of all the stories that happened before here, you get the birth of Jesus, you get this moment where tiny Jesus, like childhood Jesus, shows up at the temple, and he is learning, he's gaining knowledge. It literally That story literally ends with he grew in knowledge, he grew in wisdom. Then you find that Jesus' baptism, his identity is declared over him. The Holy Spirit is received of him. Luke tells us the identity of he is the line all the way back up to Adam. And then in Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes out and he fasts. That one of the ways he builds intimacy with the Holy Spirit is he goes and fasts. Everything leading up to Luke 4, there is no ministry of Jesus or miracles of Jesus until Jesus, in his baptism, walks out dripping and goes and he fasts. Jesus was dripping with the Spirit. He was Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. Jesus went to places that did not make sense for people to go to places to. Jesus was able to discern people's motives. Jesus provided healing. Jesus perceived visions. Jesus prayed intimately with the Father alongside the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gave insight at the right time in the right place. All because he had intimacy with the Spirit. And what you find is when Jesus receives the Spirit and receives his identity, he bodily responds by going through a period of fasting. Jesus embodies physically what is happening to him spiritually. It's like Jesus is building intimacy 
with what was just declared over him as a son of God. And he does this not just with his mind, but also with his body. Not only does Jesus take this journey, but this is a journey many of us should consider as well. If we want to build intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's not just something that's mental for us, but it is also something that is physical for us. That there is a bodily response. And this is kind of big for us. Like in the year of 2022, in a world where, you know, more jobs are becoming mental, challenging jobs, there's an AI-filled kind of world. When we think growing, when we think maturity, we tend to always think mental. We think headwise. And Jesus reveals to us that part of maturing is not just mentally, but also physically. You know, we're tempted all throughout history. We've been tempted to make the brain the most important part or only part of spirituality. There were different philosophers who would walk through society that would have sentiments like we are mainly thinking things. There's people like uh, Albert Einstein who coined that phrase that the chief purpose of your body is to carry your brain. And when it comes to loving God, when it comes to your whole life with God, we're told that it's a full embodiment, right? Like Jesus even says, like he says, to love me and to love your neighbor, you are to love with your whole self. That we love God with our heart and with our mind and with our soul and with our strength. And in essence, we're to love God with our entire being. And this is where fasting comes into play for us. Fasting is our chance to align our entire physical being to Jesus. As we discussed last week, if you need a definition of what is fasting, why is fasting even a thing? Scott McKnight just has this beautiful definition. Fasting is a way of praying with your stomach and with your body. In other words, he says, fasting is like body talk with you and with God. It's not just communicating with your mind. And we get this, right? Like we have bodily responses to things. Sometimes we take it away from like this place in our faith, but we do this in other areas, right? Like, let me give you a couple of, like if you experience like a beautiful play or a beautiful movie, what is your natural instinct at the end? You know, that is, that's good. That's good. You clap. Like, think of like when you go to the Austin FC game and you just paint yourself in green, okay? All right, when you just paint yourself out. When someone scores a goal, what do you do? Do you say seated? Do you just say that? No, 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 no. You get up. You literally like use your body to express how you're feeling, right? Verde listos. Yeah? No. Okay, all right. Like, what do you do when you're talking like to your children? Like, you get down on your knees to get on their level. We have bodily responses to the things that happen around us. And this also happens in the life of faith. Like, you even have letters in the New Testament where you have an older Christian telling a younger Christian in 2 Timothy. Paul literally says, like, when the men pray, I want them to lift holy hands in prayer. That faith in God is a bodily response just as much as it is a physical 
response. And when Jesus embodies this, when he uses his body and fast for a period of time, we get to see two types of revealing that happens here. That the Spirit reveals two things. And if we fast, these are possibly two things that could also be revealed to us. Let me show you the example of it just in verse 3 and verse 4. So the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. This is the first thing that's revealed. And then verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. One thing's revealed in verse 3, and one thing's revealed in verse 4. Here's the first thing in verse 3. The first thing revealed in the midst of fasting, and the Spirit makes this very clear for Jesus, is we get a chance to see what and who is working underneath our lives. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where when you ask them how they are doing, their response is always, I'm doing fine. And every time you talk to them, they're always doing fine. It's as if that's the only vocabulary word they know to describe their lives. You're like, is there anything meaningful happening in life right now? No, I'm doing fine. Okay. Is there anything terrible that's happening in life? No, I'm just doing fine. <laughs> Here's what fasting does for us. Fasting disrupts us from being fine. Fasting is a way of revealing to us the things that are happening underneath our souls that we don't even know are happening right now. Right now in your life, there are things happening underneath that are great and also some things that are not so great that are happening. And when you take away food, if any of you fasted this week, if you take away food from your life, you quickly get to learn what is not fine in your life. You find that you're irritable. You find that you're like, you're starting to remember things that you thought you'd forgotten. You find yourself just frustrated at the small things. You're like, I thought I had patience for this, right? Fasting disrupts us. And you find out things about yourself that you didn't know. And often we are too busy and we're living too loud of lives to usually know what's deeply going on underneath our soul. You know, close readers of Scripture have commented regularly in that verse 1 of this story is that when it describes where Jesus went, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into what is usually translated wilderness for Luke, but this root word is eremos. And this word can actually have a lot of different words that are tacked to it. Okay, let me give you a couple of them. That he was led by the Spirit into desert is one way. Desolate place is another way. A place of solitude is another place. A lonely place is another way. Or a quiet place. That one of the things Jesus does to live out his identity is Jesus takes time to step away and get quiet. When you fast, when you abstain from food, it is a way of removing the regular distractions and also dependencies in your life. For you to partner with the Spirit to discern what's going on underneath your soul. Fasting is the way that we get quiet with our lives to know what is happening in our lives.
I encountered this uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I, I'm going to share this story specifically because I, I want you to just know I'm, I'm just coming to the table, just being completely honest with you. I, I experienced this a couple weeks ago. I had one of those mornings where I woke up and I was just frantic. You ever had that where you just wake up and you're like, I got a long checklist today. I got, I got to get these things knocked out. And I found myself just frantic through the morning. So I came up to this church building, to the offices early. I'm like, I'm going to get this cranked out. I'm going to get things done. I'm going to be here. And I get to the front door and I discover I do not have my keys. Okay. And you would have thought I went through the five stages of grief. Okay. I went through denial. I was throwing things around in my back. I went to anger. I started, I called my spouse. She didn't answer. I texted the staff. I texted a couple people. I was like, somebody help me with these keys. No one responded. And then I found myself bargaining with God. I'm like, is there a door that's unlocked? Are you there? Like, are you going to help me get into this building? And, and finally, I go back. I get the keys. I come back. And I'm just so frustrated, and I'm embarrassed at this, but I'm so frustrated that I literally, alone in this church, I take my books, and I just slam them as hard as I can in the hallway. And when I slam the books down, it echoes throughout this whole church. And it was as if God was waking me up. Be like, hey, like there's something soul-wise happening here. Right. Like, we're not just having a bad day. There's something that's disordered in the soul. So I get quiet for a minute, and I realize that I've been telling myself all morning that I feel alone in trying to get all the things done that need to get done. And then when I fast later, I actually find out that there was just this overwhelming cloud that was happening on me that morning. This feeling of kind of hopelessness. And then like there was this invitation to just manifest this anger in just this inappropriate and immature way of just throwing my books down like I'm four years old. And that's one of the things fasting does for us. It's the Spirit of God prompting us, showing us, that there are forces that are at work around us and in us every single day. They come to you as invitations. They come to you as perceptions. They come to you as ideas. And what we're reminded in this passage is that they're not all good ideas. They're not all from God. And part of the life of faith is discerning where those voices are coming from, and what we are telling ourselves. I want you to just listen to the text. There is no indication of the manifestation of Satan in this story. Like, there, there's no pitchfork. There's no horns. Satan literally comes to Jesus just as a voice. And Jesus has to discern who that voice is and what that voice is telling himself. And just for some of us, I think we read this story and we're like, you know, that's just really obvious. Of course, Satan came to him. Let me give you an example of like how practical this is. There's later on in the stories of Jesus, it's actually in Matthew 14, that someone comes to Jesus and there are people who are hungry. And someone literally comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, we need to feed these people. And all we've got is a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. And Jesus actually says, we're going to feed them. 
And he multiplies the bread and the fish. So someone comes to Jesus and Jesus actually makes bread. Someone's like, we got to have more bread. And Jesus makes more bread. But in this story, you find that someone's saying, hey, make bread. And Jesus doesn't make bread. This is the complexity of life. This is why we need the Spirit of God and need to be attentive to the Spirit of God. That we need to know the motivations and the sources of the things that we're telling ourselves. Not only do we need to know right from wrong, but we need to be able to discern when we're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Sometimes we make bread. Sometimes we don't make bread. That it takes discernment in the voices that are happening in our lives. And fasting helps clarify those voices. It publicly reveals to us what we privately conceal inside of us. If you fast, you may find things like stress or anxiousness or boredom or jealousy or hurt all surface to the top. But one of the things that the Spirit of God does when we find those things surface is there's an invitation from God. There may be some things when you fast that are news to you, but there's also good news that waits to you for anything that surfaces to the top. And this is the second thing that fasting reveals to us. In fasting, the good news of the power of God is revealed to us. That you can experience what Jesus experienced because of the life that Jesus lived. Jesus responds to the voice of the devil by saying that you do not live life by bread alone, but you do live by the word and by the spirit. Jesus has the words of God with him and he has the spirit of God with him. And in fasting, he knows he can depend on those two things. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, individually defeats what has been collectively defeating to us. So when the Bible starts in the very beginning, it tells a story of a man who sins because he actually eats of the fruit. And all throughout the Bible, it is play by play by play over again that humanity is always tempted to think they know better than God. And Jesus in this moment sets a different trajectory. And he defeats it even better than anyone before him, right? Adam says no in the garden. And Jesus says yes in the desert. Adam says no on a full stomach, but Jesus says yes on an empty stomach. Adam says no when he's not alone, and Jesus says yes even though he is all alone. What I'm saying, church, is this, is that Jesus, the power he displays, is available to us because he came, he died, was buried, and rose again. He took on the powers that are defeating to us and through God, through His Spirit, He defeated them. When we fast, we make ourselves available to this power. When we fast, we're not trying to show our own willpower. We're trying to open ourselves up to the power of God. This is why when you fast, you may feel physically weak, 
but it's also a chance for you to be spiritually strengthened. That when we come to fast, it's our way of saying, God, can you mold me? Can your power flow through me and show me where you're inviting my power to step in and go at life a different way? You know, early Christians, they would fast specifically in response to events that were happening in life. Sometimes Christians would fast for a season of grief. Sometimes Christians would fast as a form of repentance. Sometimes they would do it as intercession. Sometimes they would do it as discernment. And every time early Christians would fast, it was because it was their way of being cleared out and opened up to seeking God's guidance and will. It reorients us. It shows us how God interprets, how God sees, and how God desires for us to live in the world. When we fast, it is how we hear the invitation of the Spirit of God who is inviting us and is empowering us to defeat the things that feel defeating to us. You know, uh, if you've ever forgotten uh, to turn off your phone before or your laptop in a meeting, you'll appreciate this story from James Smith. He tells a story where he said, you know, as a professor of spirituality, uh, I go into meetings sometimes and I forget to turn off the sound on my computer. And he goes, the most embarrassing moments is when I sit down and I open my laptop and the Mac just like chimes and it's like out loud and it's always at the worst moments in time. And he tells a story that one time he went to a meeting, opened his laptop, the computer chimes, everyone's disrupted. They're like, hey, why don't you turn off your laptop? And one of the music professors sitting across from him simply writes on a piece of paper and holds up a sign. And the sign reads like this. F major triad in root position. Afterwards, he leaves the meeting and he asks her, why did you show me that piece of paper? And she said, well, as a music teacher, one of the things I'm doing every day is I'm teaching students how to have an ear to listen for different notes. One of the ways I know music students are maturing is they are able to hear a note, identify it, and then they are able to sing it or play it back to me. And James Smith said, I cannot think of a better way of describing what life with God is like in listening to God. That we all must learn and listen and discern for the identity and the work of our composer. That we all take time to sense the tone, to know the values, to share the mindset of God who has created us. And when we fail to do that, when we are in Christ Jesus, it's not failure that moves us in and out of God's grace, but it's a moment for us to learn how to play the music that He's already playing in our lives. When we fast, we open ourselves up to the wind of God to blow through our hearts, to realign us, to reveal to us, to teach us, to comfort us, to guide us, and to rely on the Word and the Spirit together at the same time. It helps us know that there's something stirring 
deep within us. And as I bring the sermon series to a close, kind of the, what, what, what are you saying, Zane? What, what are you trying to ask of it? And here's what I'm trying to say. I hope that we are a church that is individually praying and fasting. Because I do believe the Spirit of God is stirring something in us right now. I think some of you encountered that stirring that the Spirit of God is doing in us last week. And when we individually are attentive to the Spirit of God, how God is stirring in us individually, it helps us start to see how God is calling us collectively. In Acts 13, this is the last thing, I promise. In Acts 13, there's literally this phrasing that I think is so important. A couple believers get together, and we got to ask ourselves, do we believe this or not? A couple believers get together, and there's actually, that would be the noise, by the way. In Acts 13, verse 1, it actually says, these group of believers get together, and while they were worshiping the Lord, and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them to. So after they fasted and they prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. When God is stirring something in God's people, when God is preparing something for God's people, it begins with this praying and fasting. And my hope is, is that we're all praying and fasting being attentive to where God may actually send us as a church together. So for the end of the service, I'm actually going to give you just an opportunity to pray kind of uniquely today. And we're just going to take a minute. And what I'm going to do is is I'm going to open us up in prayer. And I'm going to give us just a moment to identify with God where we are today. And I'm going to throw you a couple of prompts, just a couple of different places that you could find yourself in. And I just want you to hear me that if you resonate with this prompt, I just want to invite you to stand up just as a way in prayer of just saying, this is where I'm coming at today. And we did so well with this last week. Just because you stand, just because you say, this is where I'm at, does not mean anything shameful. It doesn't mean anything that other people are watching you right now. It's just a way of you being vulnerable and just saying, hey, this is where I am coming at today. This is where I'm checking in and this is where I want God to start working in my life. So in a moment, I'm going to open up prayer and I'm going to give you a prompt. And if it resonates with you, I invite you to just stand as I pray a couple words over you. And one thing, the staff and the elders are going to be roaming around and if you're standing, just know that if you're reachable, you may have a staff member or an elder just come and lay a hand on you. They're not going to do anything else to you. They're just going to lay a hand on you. And they're just going to let you know that, hey, we're here and we're behind you. Okay? Like I said, to stand does not mean anything other than just saying, this is where I am today. So let me go ahead and open us in prayer. Uh, God, we're going to come before you and we're just going to recognize some realities of where we are. 
God, I want to give a moment for any of us who we're just lost right now at what our next step in life is. We're just, we just don't know what that is. Maybe we're on the brink of retirement. Maybe we're looking for a new job. Like we just don't know what the next step is in life. God, we just want to give a chance for those who resonate with that to stand. God, for those who are standing, may you give them peace. May you surround them with people who know them well to help speak into their lives. And God, can you help them see invitations that may be ahead of them to be able to identify what may be next and what you may be calling them to. You can be seated. God, we want to give a moment for any parents in the room that they're just wrestling with being parents right now. That they just they just want their kids to be able to believe and find life in the same way that they found life in you. Just want to give a parent opportunity to stand. God, we pray for any parent in the room that is just wrestling with how to be faithful to you right now. God, we pray for the strength and endurance to be able to parent well. God, we also pray for just your blessing and your provision for the different families here. God, I pray for parents who are here this week. May they be able to know when is the right time to address things, when's the time to love, and how they can embody your love to their kids this week. They can be seated. God, we want to give a chance to anyone who feels lonely this morning. Maybe you've just kind of come to church and you feel really disconnected. Maybe just you don't find the same connection that you once had. Or maybe it's just been a hard, lonely season. God, we pray that anyone who's standing, may they find your unique comfort this week. May you remind them of the moments of love that they have experienced up to this point. And God, may you also help us as a church to be able to see them and to support them. May you orchestrate ways for us to be able to lean on each other this week. You can be seated. And then finally, we just want to give a chance for anyone who's just feeling hopeful or anyone who's just hungering right now for more of God, if they'll just stand. God, we want to thank you for the ways that your spirit is lighting in people we have gratitude for the fan that is just being flamed right now. God, we pray, can you protect them in a way that does not quench anything? That the invitations of how you long for them to mature and grow will be apparent. 
And God, may you bring people towards them to be able to see your light in your way, to be able to follow in your footsteps. Empower them this week. You can be seated. God, I also want to open it up for anyone who's grieving this morning. Just for someone to stand to be able to say, I'm just, I'm in a season of grief. Whether it's a season of life or it's someone we love. God, for anyone who's standing with grief, may you hold them closely. God, we pray for your mercies to grace them. And we pray for anyone who's grieving this morning, for them to know how to grieve well. May you be close to them, and may they be able to be honest with the people they love at what they're losing. Let's all stand together this morning. And we're going to sing this song together as our prayer to you, God, that we need you to surround us. Come to know the God who is already surrounding you. May you discover the one who has already defeated what feels defeating to you this week. And may you hunger and thirst for this God as you go and live love together. You're dismissed, church.